Hey guys, it's John with Make Pods Great Again. Wanted to uh, chat with you guys real quick before we jump into the podcast and talk about rest and recovery. This is something I get a lot of questions on from followers and listeners, and uh, I just you know I can't underscore how important it is to rest if you really want to make progress in the gym. You know, it's kind of ironic because most of us never really think about sleep quality until we're just not getting enough sleep, or or even when we're just not sleeping like we used to. Uh, a buddy of mine sent me this Clova patch that was designed a few years ago to help people have better sleep quality. It's a Sleep Z patch by Clova, spelled with a K, K-L-O-V-A. And uh, it's now actually the number one selling sleep patch online. Uh, it's sold on Amazon and Walgreens. It has over a thousand five-star reviews. So how you use this thing is you take this one little patch, you put it on your arm for about two hours before bedtime. The time-release blend of naturally occurring ingredients goes to work promoting restful sleep. And uh, trust me, I've been using this thing. I sleep like a baby with it. Uh, Clova is ideal for people who have trouble falling asleep or for someone like me where you have trouble staying asleep. It's really ideal. You have a 30-day money-back guarantee and you can try Clova absolutely hassle-free. So save 20% on your first order today using claim code WADPOD20, that's all caps, W-O-D-P-O-D-2-0 at Clova.com. Clova spelled K-L-O-V-A. So with that, on to the show. Welcome to Make Pods Great Again. I'm your host, John Woolley, content creator for the Instagram page, Make Wads Great Again. Welcome back to the show. Me and my bestie are here. Nikki, how are you? Hi, I'm good. What's going on? I am good. Tonight's going to be a fun one because uh, we've got Arm and Hammer with us. Hey, everybody. Hi. What's going on? <laughs> I know you've heard this before, but this is true. I was, uh, Armin and I were talking before this thing started about my daughter crossfitting, and now she doesn't know you yet. Right. But she was asking me, who she's else not allowed to view explicit content yeah. yet. <laughs> well, she just, she hasn't like learned all the, like the people in the community and like, you know, and the, all the little subcultures that come with it. Right. Mm-hmm. And so she's like, who's on the podcast this week? Cause we, you know, we'd have like Annie Thor's daughter. She knows Annie. I'm like, Oh, Armin Hammer's going to be on. And she's, she goes the baking soda. I'm like, no, <laughs> yes. I'm like, yes, Mag, that's who's going to be on the, the followed by the Mr. Clean. Yes. That's great. <laughs> She's like, do you think he's ever heard that before? I'm like, baby girl, wow. like a like a million times. Yeah, I, I hate to break it to you, but that's where it came from. Oh, it's, it's the, that's it. Is it was it? the whole thing is a pun. That's the entire point. The point is, it was a pun. There's Got nothing. It. There's nothing hammer esque about me. No, there realistically is. Realistically speaking, like <laughs> I'm a softy. I'm 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 barely competitive. So the idea of me being the hammer is just so far removed, but from uh from the pun perspective as well as the sort of comedy of how different it is from who I actually am is uh it's it fits perfectly. Do I people think actually think Hammer is your last name? Constantly. <laughs> Almost everyone. Nice. What what's the actual give the actual last name? What is it? Yeah, my actual last name is Amirian. I'll never remember that in a million years. You're going for Hammer no, forever. Never. Armin Amirian TV just doesn't have it. <laughs> yeah, does not have the I'm same not ring into to it. it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't quite flow as easily as Arm and Hammer, mm-hmm. um, and also it's not a globally recognized <laughs> brand of Pun, literally yeah. everything that anyone would ever buy at like a supermarket. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it. I do. I did luck out with my nickname being, uh, you know, at least somewhat easy to say, and it rolls off the tongue. A globally recognized pun. Can I like sidebar for a really embarrassing story real quick? Yes. <laughs> yes. Dubai a couple years ago um, was the first time I met Bronislaw Alankovic. 
And he's like, he's so nice and he's like so strong. And he's like, so like he was winning events and we were like chit chatting and trying to do sideline interviews and his English was pretty good. So it was like good. And I asked him like, you know, Hey man, does anyone ever call you the brawny man? Which I thought was like such a great pun. And he looked at me like I was crazy. And I was like, Come, yeah, like the brawny man. He's like, you know, he's like on the paper towels and nothing like blank stare like he just had no idea what paper towels were he was like no i I don't know if it was like an american only thing and i'm just like i'm over there like digging right i'm like digging myself a hole and i'm like oh he's like an american and he's got like flannel and he cuts down trees you know the brownie man and like went on for like way too long where he's just staring at me just blank eyes (laughs) like i'm though like he thinks i'm the weirdest human (laughs) I had an interesting interaction with <laughs> with Bronislav Linkovitz as well, actually, at the games this past year. So what happened? Do you, you know, call him the Brawny Man? I did not, unfortunately, Damn and it. I don't know if I will because I don't know if we got off on the right foot. So Uh-oh. if you guys remember, he qualified for the games through strength and depth, and right. he won these two events back to back, and that was basically what gave him the points. It was like one of the events was this assault bike sprint, and the other event was like grace maybe i want to say it was like a slightly heavier grace and so he he did you know he literally batted a thousand in those two events and won got himself 200 points um and was able to basically ride that wave like just being super strong and super explosive um obviously he's good at crossfit right that's not to be questioned but clearly the programming helped him out because he was really really good at those well, things those are like his events yeah and so i i i talked about that as you know, as I do, I talked about it and I was like, Hey, I, I hope he's not like, I hope, I hope he's not a one trick guy. Like it's pretty interesting to see the programming favored a guy that strong. And we haven't seen anyone that strong at the games before. It's going to be really exciting to see it anyway. So fast forward, you know, from January to July, I run into him at the uh, athlete check-in before the game start. And, I'll, and usually with athletes like that, like I can't introduce myself to everybody but at a certain point, I'm like, all right, if you're someone who is like stand out in some respect, whether you have an interesting story or a really interesting capacity, or like I talked about you to a certain extent, like I'm going to introduce myself. So I walked over to him and I go, hey, Bronislav, like my name's Armin. Nice to meet you. Uh, you know, I, I'm really excited to see what you're able to do this this weekend. Like it's going to be really cool to see someone with your strengths show up to the field. And he looked at me and he had this look on his face like, I kind of recognize this guy. And he goes, you talked about me on the internet. And I, and he is, oh, he is a terrifying human being, by the He's way. meaty man. He's so, yeah, he is so <laughs> thick. He's like yeah. two, he's two humans pasted to one another. <laughs> totally. Thick. And so I, I was like, did I say something bad? I literally asked him. I was like, I hope I didn't say anything bad. Like, did I say anything bad to you? And he goes, no, no, no. But I have more than one trick. And I was like, okay, dude. Oh my God. Like, don't tear me in half. It's fucking cool. You do cannibal sport. You're really strong. Like, please don't hate me. I didn't do, I didn't say anything. Like, you know, get better at running, but you know. Fuck. Oh, but good. like you and every other CrossFitter. So. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Um, yeah, well. Anyway, all that boils down to is you have a universally recognized uh, kitchen utensil type pun name, but um, brownie is not the same, so I wouldn't go peddling <laughs> that around the world. Anyway, what do you guys want to talk about tonight? <laughs> I want to hear more about this brownie thing. Any other any other athletes you've pissed off you thought were going to kick your ass? Because that's a pretty good story. Uh, all of I, them? 
<laughs> He's like listening to him in his head right now. It's like, like, hold on, there's so many. <laughs> well, look, know, I actually, I, I, I've done okay over the past few years of not pissing off a ton of athletes before. So even with Bronislav, I would say he was like probably peeved, but not upset because if he was really upset, it, it would have ended really poorly for me, I think. Um, you wouldn't be here. Yeah, he he, <laughs> he would he rip was, you in two. Yeah, he would try to rip me in half, and it would just be bad for everybody. Involved. Yeah. Um, no, I think probably the closest, the closest anyone is like I've pissed off an athlete, and the closest they've come to being upset, like legit upset with me, was probably Camille. Hmm. At one point in like the 2016 Open, I want to say uh, maybe 2016, maybe 2017. I can't remember. But I was down in San Diego to Invictus doing some content with like the team because um, they have so many people in San Diego. Like everyone lived and trained there at that point. Yeah. And so I was down there and I was doing content. And I guess maybe either I hadn't talked, I hadn't talked to her directly, but I had assumed that everyone involved in the organization had known that I was going to be there. So she was warming up for one of the open workouts. I think it was the one, it must have been 2016 because it was like that chest of our pull up snatch workout um maybe that was 2017 whichever one it was so she was warming up for that and i you know walked up to her with my camera and i asked her a couple questions and she answered them and then after i like i did what i usually do which is i'll ask like two or three follow-up questions and in the middle of me asking one of those follow-up questions she stopped me she like put her hand up and she was like i'm not here to talk to you i'm here to do the open workout and Mm. this is not what i'm here to do spend my time with and i was like Oh, I'm so sorry. Okay, okay Camille, I'm so sorry, Camille. And I just kind of uh, like slunked away into the corner, and I was like, "Everyone hates me. Yep. I hate me. What am I doing here?" I have had so many of those moments. We eventually, well, I mean, we eventually, uh, like, after it was all over, we reconnected, yeah, like that night. And I was like, "Hey, I, I'm really sorry. Like, I didn't realize like miscommunication thing." And she's like, "No, I get it. You're here to do your job, but I'm here to do my job too. And like, I can't." spend this time like that's energy that i don't have to you know put to, so we we like made up afterwards but there was like an awkward you know hour in there yeah i've had so many of those moments because it's so hard trying to um like get get content whether it's it's for your channel or you know for the stream so many times like for the broadcast i'll like you know pop into the warm-up area or something to try to get a quote from someone ahead of time so that while we're on camera talking about the event while it's happening they can like you know announcers can cut to me on the floor and i'm like oh i caught up with so-and-so before the event and they thought this or this was their strategy going in and here's how they're executing or not executing like it's it's so much more enriching for the listeners and viewers to follow but it is so hard to get to athletes in those moments when they're in the zone or even afterwards, sometimes like if an athlete or a team doesn't do well and you want to catch up with them afterwards, because there's, there's valuable information there. There's, you know, there's a point to being like, Hey, what the fuck happened to you? Like the snatches were your event and you, you blew up. Like people want to know why or what's going on or like, you know, how do you recover from that? How do you come back? And man, sometimes they are just, and I respect it. They're so not into it. And I'm like that. I get it. And I also have 15 people in the truck telling me that I need the soundbite from you. Yeah, so I, help me I out. Do not like, envy, oh. I do not envy you trying to get sideline reporting. Oh, crossers. They're just not used to it. They're not used to having someone ask them questions like that. Um, it's in general. Yeah, I mean, they're getting, getting better, better, but at the same yeah. time, they, they also are used to people leaving them alone when things go wrong. Yeah. So when you pick them up, like after, after something yeah. failed, it's like, 
Ooh, I know. Hey, buddy, you sucked at this. But at and the same like, time, I know, I know. Yeah, like, sorry, sorry, you suck. And we want to know why. But at the same time, like, you know that you've reached, not only has a sport reached a level, but also like you as an athlete have reached a level of, I don't know if you want to call it like famousness or or importance or clout or something when you're being bothered in that respect by the media team. Because, you know, when we first started, like, I don't know, people were just working out in their garages and they were good at it and they like went to sectionals and that was it. Now it's like you're, we're a sport and you have fans and they want to hear from you and their interest in you is driving your career and your sponsors and your paycheck. And like, just let me talk to you. I'm not going to be an asshole, you know, mm-hmm. but it's, it's a valid, it's a valid point question. Whatever. I think it's tough for these athletes. I mean, different than other sports because the, the sport itself is still so new and there's, you know, I mean, we've said it before, but there's not a lot of money in it. So you have a lot of these athletes coming in that are winning that aren't really making anything. They're like totally independent. They don't even have agents, you know, they're just showing up. And then all of a sudden you got, you know, Nikki in their face or you, you know, asking them questions after a tough workout and they, they're just not prepped or prepared to handle it yet. You know? Yeah. There's, there is definitely an aspect of that, of like, you know, it's hard to tell what speed everything actually is progressing in, right. Is it progressing like at the speed of what CrossFit is willing to put into it? Is it progressing at the speed of like, Oh, we're, we're at this level now. So, you know, the athletes should start getting, managers that are way more involved in there there's a few athletes i know nikki is, is probably run into this more often than i have and i'm sure john you've run into this too it's like you know there's some athletes where they exclusively deal with media through their um managers and i was yeah. like i was like man i'm i'm i guess i'm really lucky that i know your manager because how else would this have ever come about? Right. Like, it's really weird. And they, you know, they, they're setting boundaries that a lot of the other athletes haven't. And that's both positive and negative. It's like really good because it teaches the athletes that, yeah, you can set these boundaries. You can yeah. say no to an interview or you can say, not right now. Let's schedule it later. Talk to this person. They know my calendar, that sort of thing. But at the same time, it also changes it a little bit because like I'm used to like texting you know what I mean? I grab my phone and I'll text somebody. I'll be like, Hey man, what's going on? That's right. weird. What was this? Like, what do you think about this? And then if they want to have longer conversation, that's that, that moves forward, but it definitely is a change. It definitely yeah. is a change. Yeah. I think you're right. I think it's, it's both a positive and, and, and <clears throat> maybe not negative, but like just different. I don't know because yeah, it slows some stuff down, but it speeds other things up. Yeah, totally. Know? And it teaches them some value too, because eventually if everyone, you know, sets a level of not only boundaries, but also like expectations for what it takes to meet with them and, and schedule something, what it takes to schedule them for an event or an appearance, you know, we need them to make money and we need the the bar to be relatively even for everyone in order to make the opportunity fair. Um, but yeah, you're right. Like sometimes it's, it's rough not just being able to like DM someone and be like, Hey, can you meet me real quick so I can grab a thing from you? Or I don't know. It, it, part of what makes our sport so cool is that these people are so accessible and it's a very intimate environment that we have with our elite athletes and they want to be a part of the community. Like No other sport has a community like ours. So it would be a shame to lose that in some respect, but at the same time, I see how it can be beneficial for some of the bigger athletes. I, I think know. we have to lose it in some respect though, Nikki, like I, Armin, I don't know what your life's like, but like leading into Wadapalooza, I bet I got dozens of messages from people that were going to be there, like wanting 
moments of my time. And I'm like, I don't have time for this crap. Like, you know, and I'm not a big deal at all. You know? <laughs> Literally never happened to me ever. <laughs> well, it's no like, one, you know, no, so one, I, out to me, no one wants to spend time with me. <laughs> no, I got maybe like three people and oh. all of them were people who were basically contractually obligated to talk. Uh, to see, I was just trying to humble brag. That's all I was trying to uh, do. Well, it works. Yeah, it works. The only person who's ever reached out to me to want to hang out with me is you, John. Yeah, well, no, <laughs> like, the I, only time that's ever happened. I guess my point though is, it's like social media has made it so easy to reach people, you know, and even the big athletes. Like, you know, you look at like I, I remember when I started the page, I pissed off uh, Tia Claire to me. It's when I learned that like the actual big name athletes like really read your shit, you know? Yes, they do. Mm. And she blew me up, like blew me up, and I was so humiliated because I I didn't have any intention to like hurt her feelings or piss her off, you know. Mm. But then I learned very quickly. I'm like, all right, well, gotta be careful what you say online because people read that shit. Yo, yeah. I had I had, actually now that you're mentioning it, I something like that happened with me with Matt actually and now so like now matt and i are super cool i we're not we're not like we're not quite the level that i would want us to be you know what i mean (laughs) you're not gonna like go hang out at his place for a weekend i you know i i don't think i'm gonna be hanging out at his place for (laughs) i don't think i can like stop in unannounced and like you know have a room oh those are my favorite kind of friends the ones that just show up at your door how'd you piss them off come on get the story so you know uh this was 2016 uh it was during the season during 2016 uh, okay so he placed second two years in a row 14 mm-hmm. and 15 and i was working at flow at the time and it was my second year on the job my first year on the job at flow i'd been hired like may of 2015 and we had uh granite games that was going to be happening in you know 2016 it was like june maybe late may of 2016 so it was within the first year that i was working you know professionally both covering the sport and also promoting events. And, you know, that was before I was comfortable enough with my role there to be like, Hey guys, I don't know if it's a really good idea for us to like, you know, make storylines that don't necessarily exist. Like, okay. If you, you know, at that point I was like, okay, if you want me to figure out a storyline and kind of exaggerate it to get people to sign up. All right, let's see if we can figure that out. And uh, the one storyline that I thought was going to be interesting was we had heard from the event organizers that Matt was going to be competing at the Granite Games. And I was like, here we go. This is pretty sweet. You know, like Granite Games, uh, an opportunity for redemption for Matt Fraser. And I got a fucking message from him on Facebook. He was like, fuck you. I, can I cuss, by the way? Is that, yeah, is that yes. We, we, like, we encourage it, actually. Yeah, he was like, he was like, Fuck you. I don't know who you think you are, but I don't have shit to prove to anybody. How dare you say this shit about me? And I was like, why are you reading this? <laughs> why are you reading? What are you doing? <laughs> and I, and I, I, I emailed him. I'm like messaging him back. I was like, Matt, I'm so sorry. I don't, I didn't like, this wasn't what I was trying to do. Like you realize like, this is, this was why I wrote this. This was the angle I was taking on it. Never heard from him again. Literally did not talk to him for like three years. Oh, shit. Yeah, yeah. It was crazy. It was crazy. But I don't, honestly, one, I hope he doesn't hear this because I don't think he remembers that. I really, I don't think, <laughs> I don't he, think he listens to this podcast. Yeah. I don't think Two, anyone listens to this podcast. I think at this point, I think at this point, he and I have had enough like in person interactions and he's sort of seen the work that I do. So that he understands that either A, I was in like doing a different thing back then. And B, you know, I'm not, I'm not that guy. Like, right. it's a total, 
Hmm. You've done like sit down interviews with him. Like you've Lots. Like, yeah, a few of them. You just did, you just did one like a yeah. week or so ago. I did one at Wadapalooza that got immediately demonetized by YouTube, which is yeah, a why? Why? Pain in my dick. <laughs> I <have> no <laughs> idea. It sucks, dude. So like my channel has been getting blown up over the past three weeks. I've had four videos demonetized, three of them in the past week. Can you explain what that means for the people who don't so, understand? YouTube works kind of like uh, like your your video attracts eyeballs and viewers, and then on the ad side of it, YouTube sells advertising on like it's basically like a bidding process. So you know, like I might get twenty thousand views on a video or something, but it it could make you know more or less than the average twenty thousand view video based off of like the type of people that are watching it, how long they're watching it, that sort of thing. So and on, on the back end, advertisers can purchase or can, can sorry sell that space exactly. based on the type of viewer who typically looks at your video. So if someone yes. wants to like advertise a barbell or something, they're probably going to target your videos and videos from the Rogue shows and videos from whatever, whatever. So exactly. So yeah. YouTube basically, you know looks at what types of content and the types of people that watch my content and then sell that to the the highest bidder. Mm-hmm. And then I get a cut of that, which is pretty sweet. So that's how I, that's, that's my main source of income right now. Uh, as small as it is, it is certainly my, my main source of income. So the advertising policies for YouTube are very, uh, they're very vague. It covers their ass really well, you know? So they basically have the opportunity to not allow advertising if it doesn't meet their standards and you know they say it's quote not suitable for advertisers so basically what it looks like on the back end for me is like i turn on advertising monetization for all of my uh all of my content and then you know the next day i go on to see how well it's doing you don't get any numbers back for the monetization for a few days but the next day i go back to see how it's doing in terms of views and you know, that sort of thing. And then it goes from like a green dollar sign to a yellow dollar sign. And it's like, it, it, it stands out because everything else is a green dollar sign, right? Mm-hmm. So it goes to a yellow dollar sign. It's like, great. Like, you know, this is, ta- it, it gets flagged by the algorithm that it's not suitable for advertisers. Okay. So it's not suitable for advertisers. What does that mean? I, I have no idea. Like when I look at the content, it it rings true to me. It feels fine to me. It doesn't, go so far away from the other types of content that I consume on YouTube. You know, it doesn't have anything that's particularly egregious. I mean, there are comedians who are a thousand times funnier than me and also a thousand times more vulgar than I am. So, and they have advertisers on their content. So mm-hmm. what I do is when I see that yellow dollar sign, it's, it says it's demonetized. I, I ask for like a person in-person review. So they basically take it off the algorithm deciding whether it's monetized or not. And then they send it to like a person to watch it. And my assumption is the person just, just green lights, whatever the algorithm says, because I've never had one turned around. Like I'll just get an email. And that's, the crazy part is it won't tell you why. So a person watches the content that their algorithm says is not worthy of ad dollars. And then instead of saying, yeah, this is why, you know, between these markers, you said you want to get breast implants or get you know, fondled <laughs> by your, your uh, podcast friends. You know what I mean, which literally was a conversation we had on scales <laughs> needed this past weekend. But, uh, you know, it was like, okay, 
if you told me that, if you, if you go through my video and tell me, Hey, because of this, we can't put ads on it. I would either cut that bit out and separate it, or I would just not talk about that in the future. Or I would, I would just, I'd change my behavior. Cause right now I'm getting, I'm getting like this feedback that I have no way of, of fixing. I have to guess. I have to just make a wild guess as to what could possibly be changing it. Like were those videos way different from the other ones that you have been doing and monetizing for years? No. In fact, the weird part is both. So the two, I had two videos back to back on back to back days that were live streams be demonetized basically before it even went live. So the first one was about coronavirus and how the Arnold had canceled the expo and that it could potentially affect other events. That was demonetized before it even went live. Like the only information that they had for me was I had scheduled a live stream that had the word coronavirus in the title and it had a thumbnail that had coronavirus on it. So I'm guessing that the title having coronavirus in it wasn't good. So I changed it, asked for review, got shut down, right? Mm. So that didn't work. And then the next day I did the whole thing about Dubai changing its format for the 2020 event. And that was demonetized too. And I was like, what? This makes no sense. Like, what did I say in the Dubai video that doesn't, that the like advertisers think is unsuitable? It it was, it's just really surprising. I wonder if you're, you're just flagged now in general. That's the thing. So it, it has, it has like ripple effects, right? So for example, um, when, Think of it from YouTube's perspective. For YouTube, what they want is to float the most ad-friendly stuff they can because that's how they make money. They Mm -hmm. sell ads on it. So if something isn't suitable for advertisers, they don't show it to anybody. So like that Matt, I did a Matt Fraser interview at Wadapalooza, which I was really proud of. uh, And it was, it was maybe like 45 minutes long. It was just, it was a great interview. We talked about a lot of different things, both in and out of CrossFit. Nothing that was particularly controversial or egregious or, you know, vulgar. And yet that video was demonetized. And that's the type of video that would make me a lot of money. Yeah. Like comparatively to, you know, a regular video, like a 20 minute video that I put out, that type of a longer, more engaging, more interesting interview would make me like 10x more money or 8x more money compared to a normal video. And yet it gets zero. And because YouTube deems it un, unsuitable for advertisers, they bury it. So it doesn't get even recommended to people. So it has right. like, it has way less views than it would get. I mean, that video was probably on track to getting something like 100,000 or 150,000 views over the course of five months. And now it's just been killed at like 13,000 views and it'll never get past that because unless you know where it is you'll never find it it'll never be recommended to you do you think maybe you should like delete it and try again delete it re-upload it i have heard so i've heard horror stories about that i've tried to do that in the past and it's been hit and miss i've heard Mm. i've heard some horror stories about that um the last thing that i want is for youtube to not just start demonetizing but to actually like strike my channel yeah Cause if yeah. it strikes my channel, like one strike is, you know, I can't do any live content, which is what the majority of my content is now. I can't do any live content for like two weeks. So that, that will almost 
immediately kill the channel. And then if it's like a second strike, I think it's 90 days. Mm. And then you stop being able to upload and you stop being, and it's like, you know, at that point, what do I do? Like, I don't know. I don't know what the alternative, like, do I join Vimeo? Who the fuck uses? No, Vimeo? you don't. You know? <laughs> no one you does. <laughs> Armin on TikTok. We can't wait. Yeah, well, it's going to be. That actually might not be a bad clips. idea anyway. <laughs> Here's a conspiracy th- theory for you. Frazier's reporting you and going, fuck that guy from three years ago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's definitely it. I would fucking love it if that Dude, was Dude, I would laugh. That'd be great. <laughs> oh, you know, it's the- tough. Like, we talk so much about how, how hard it is to make a career out of this whole CrossFit thing for the athletes, but it's tough on every front. Like, even just the people who are trying to make careers out of the media side of things, you know, even, even before, you know, everybody got shit canned from the real actual media team. Yeah, John, you hear that? You and your fucking day job. You have it so easy. I know, right? I, you know, I have a day job too. Okay, Nikki, you and your day <laughs> job. You guys have it so easy. Well, this is the thing. It's like, we like ain't nobody doing this to get rich. <laughs> like we're doing it because we love it and we love the sport and we're fans as much as we are, you know, media folks. And it's just, it's tough to find a way to cut through the noise and, you know, make a splash and get noticed and and make money because we have to eat. <laughs> yeah. It's really hard. God forbid. Um, yeah, and it's not getting any. Maybe I should stop. Actually, maybe that would be helpful. <laughs> you know, I. It's funny you should say that because uh, I actually got the a very strange. To me, it's strange, but it's like I guess it makes sense. A piece of advice from Greg Glassman, directly mm-hmm. from Greg Glassman, and he was like, he was like, "Are you making any money?" And you know he's very forward, um, right? Direct. And to him, he's very direct, right? Direct. And you know, I don't particularly, I don't really care. The answer to that question is no, <laughs> right? Obviously. In case anybody's wondering, in case anybody's like listening to this and thinking, "Oh man, that guy is a baller. He has twenty-seven thousand YouTube subscribers <laughs> and like, like four Ferraris." Yeah, yeah, yeah. The answer is the answer is no. no. I am not making money. Um, and Greg goes, uh, he goes, well don't like get a divorce over it. It's not worth it. I was like, I'm, I'm helping you. I'm I'm helping you. What are you you doing? What are you doing to me, man? Like, Hey man, if you don't want to be here, like I get it. (laughs) You're not making anything. I was like, you know, I I don't know what to say to that. You're right. You're right. Like a hundred percent. If, if Katie, it went like, not if the, when Katie gets sick of me, you know, trying to figure this out for another year or whatever. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's like, I don't, it, of course I hundred percent get it. It was just really, it was really interesting hearing that from him. I heard something also strangely similar from the former CEO from Jeff Kane. When we first started talking a lot, Jeff was like, Hey, so I kind of got briefed on like your history with CrossFit, like everything that we have done to you. <laughs> I was like, all the times we fucked you over. Yeah, I was like, I was like, damn, Jeff, that that must have been long. Like that must have been a hell of a briefing. He was like, yeah. Why do you keep doing this? That was literally his. He's like, why haven't God. you quit? Like, what is? And really, the underlying question is, what is wrong with you that you <laughs> keep coming you? back? <laughs> 
Are you drunk, sir? I don't know. I just really like this, I guess. Is there some sort of like masochism involved in here? It's like the same reason why I CrossFit. It it hurts, but maybe I feel like I'm getting better from it. The next time I come in to talk to you guys, I forgot how shitty it was last time. So (laughs) For real. For real. That's why why we all do it. That's right. That's right. Yeah. (laughs) So I want to hear about how CrossFit screwed you over now. You can't oh, just leave that is, dangling out there. I know. And I feel like people don't recognize, or maybe they don't know people maybe who are newer to the sport or are just kind of like falling into, you know, following the trends of CrossFit media, don't realize how long you have been a part of this. Like, yeah. So I've been, you had I mean, a different doing, name back then. <laughs> I've been doing CrossFit since like 2008. And oh, I started my first blog in like 2010, 2011. So I actually, okay. So I actually haven't really talked even, I'm going to go even further back. Guys. Okay. I'm going to go further back right, than I've talked this. about with anybody. So I started my first blog in 2010, like early 2010. And it was called the one second club. Hmm. And it was like, it was essentially like a training log meets. It's the, it's the same stupid blog that every idiot starts. Like, Oh, fucking, uh, you know, thoughts from the edge, ruminations on my, yeah, intimations of poetry. It's like, <laughs> it was just like, yeah, I was like a stupid yes. college kid who was super bored um, and really got into CrossFit. Started finding a little bit of confidence by actually you know, working out and taking care of my body. Uh, both habits that I've since kicked, which I'm very happy to say. <laughs> yeah, fuck that. Yeah. Uh, neither working out nor taking care of my body these <laughs> right. days. It's, it's overrated. It's totally it's overrated. absolutely overrated. You know what's not overrated? Donuts. Yeah, yeah. Trader Joe's gluten-free <laughs> brownie mix, which is the tits. There it is. <laughs> it's really hard to fuck up, and they're delicious. So, anyway, uh, and so I started this blog called the One Second Club, and no one read it. You know what I mean, I was like, zero <laughs> subscribers. I, yeah, I was like, I was my only subscriber. I posted on YouTube and my friend, not YouTube. I posted on Facebook, and my my friends who were who were interested enough in what I was up to at that point, you know, all college friends or high school friends or whatever would read it. And then immediately just rag on me. Like that's only 155 pounds, you little bitch. And it's like, Oh, great. Thanks, <laughs> oh, man. Thanks. Like, thanks. Sorry. <laughs> like, this is 2010. I was like, man, that seemed like a lot of weight to me, but I guess it's not that impressive. Uh, anyway, so I started that blog and I was like, uh, this sucks. This is, this is worthless. Like, I don't know why I'm even sharing any of these thoughts with anybody. Like this is basically a diary and, mm-hmm. uh, no Public. one, no one wants to read this. <laughs> and so about eight months later in early 2011, I was like, all right, fuck the one second club. Like we're going to change this up. And I grew up watching, um, I grew up watching this TV show called the naked chef. And, uh, I don't know if you guys ever watched that show, the naked chef. Definitely not. It, so it has nothing to do with nudity. It's it's, it's like it's naked because it's like dressed down. I think it's Jamie Oliver is the chef in it. I'm oh sure. yes, oh. yes, I've seen Oliver. that. Yes, I've right. seen that show. Yeah, and he's like he's pers- He's the opposite of Gordon Ramsay. He's personable. He's friendly. He takes care of the people he's talking to. He presents things really nicely. Um, and the whole idea of it being like the naked chef, I guess, is that he kind of like pared it all down to its like simplest form. Yeah. So I was like. I don't like any of that, but I like the idea of being the naked CrossFitter. So I just started this blog called the naked CrossFitter. And, uh, I immediately began just trying to make fun of how stupid we all were at that moment. And I haven't, I don't know if I've really stopped doing that, but it hasn't been my, my 
main focus. But that's basically what I did. I was like, that was, that was back in the days when like drywall was really big and beast metal domains was really big. And Ben Smith's dad was really big. And all these, like everyone was trying to be the sarcastic parody of CrossFit. My angle was, I was not anonymous. So every, everyone else who was doing this was anonymous and I became friends with all of them. I, I've met and hung, hang out with all of them. So like eventually that went away with them. Some of them are still anonymous, but for me, I never, I was never not, I was like, Hey guys, my brother and I own a gym. We live in Los Angeles, California. I'm a level two trainer. This is awesome. CrossFit's my favorite thing ever. I do it all day long. Like I compete in this thing. So like, I, I was really obvious about who I was and what I was doing which in hindsight was probably a mistake yeah, because, yeah. you know, when, <laughs> when you get like super critical as I was very critical of CrossFit at that point, um, you know, it becomes, you become a target, you become a really, really obvious target. And so that's when I was, I think very, the very first time I was blacklisted was probably sometimes like late 2011, early 2012 after, you know, like my, my content <clears throat> changed from like, you know, aren't we all stupid? We take our shirts off and it's basically, my content was basically like the pre make wads great again. Meme yeah. Page. I was you know just I mean? going to say like, it never went away. It's just memes now. Like <laughs> John makes the same four jokes a thousand different ways and has 150,000 people following on six Instagram. jokes. There's six jokes, but and 250,000 people. And there's 250,000 people. <laughs> following, right? So I had, and here's the crazy part. Here's the even crazier part. I was never even getting a ton of traffic. I had maybe a thousand readers. It just happened that CrossFit was super fucking small at that point. Right, so, exactly. You know, a thousand readers was not like nine percent of all CrossFitters. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, so anyway, I was like, I was, I, my my content sort of morphed. It went from, uh, it went through this like evolution of like, oh, I'm making fun of us for how silly and stupid we are as CrossFitters for all the silly and stupid things we do, and it turned into like hey guys isn't it weird that crossfit's programming for the open has been so fucking garbage this year it makes no sense they're all idiots and they should go kill themselves basically it was like the gist of what i was saying and uh then i would like turn it from like crossfit's programming to various events and i would like review my experience competing at various events and then it turned into like talking making fun of like the products in crossfit which again Hindsight, probably not the best move because I, I could have used some of that sponsorship money at some point mm-hmm. to help pay for the content I was making. So, you know, sorry to the companies I pissed off, but like make better products. Don't be a shitty. You know what I mean? How hard is that? So uh, I don't know. Eventually, I just got on CrossFit's bad side. You know, I got in trouble. I got in trouble because I made fun of, I thought, I thought programming in 2012 was really bad. The open programming. I still do. I think to this day, it's the worst open programming they've ever done. Um, it started with seven minutes of burpees. You had 50,000 people doing a workout where uh, 44,000 of them are going to be 48,000 of them are going to be within uh, 30 reps of each other. So suddenly one rep, one burpee is the equivalent of, 2000 places on the on the spot on the on the leaderboard that's stupid that's just a dumb way of doing a test um you know that doesn't make any sense and then following it up with another uh workout that like very aggressively bottlenecks the field with like that uh, ascending 
AMRAP of snatches. It was the snatch ladder. I remember it was yeah. my first CrossFit open ever. And Me too. Me too. It, it was, it was, a, they're, they're cool workouts on their own. They're awful workouts for a worldwide competition. And CrossFit would never admit that implicitly. Uh, the ad- admission that they did it wrong was that they fixed it the next year and they've never done anything like that again. So it's like, I was fucking right, but I was just a little aggressive with my criticism. So that year, that 2012 season, I was a little too fucking, uh, you know, maybe a little too like thorny in my britches. I don't know if that's even a saying, but I'm going to use it because I'm going to back you. I'm going to back you on that. I was yep. my, my britches were a little too thorny. So I, I was, I was really aggressive about, you know, the open workouts being poorly programmed. And, you know, obviously there's no ego involved in the, the person behind the programming. <laughs> the CrossFit Games open or regionals or games, obviously. There's no ego there at all. And so, you know, me saying that, and then, you know, I turned my I turned my gaze to they had shut down a local uh charity event because of IP infringement. The charity event called itself Fight Gone Bad. CrossFit owns the IP, the words Fight Gone Bad as like a workout or an event or whatever, you know. This, this charity event made a really fucking stupid mistake and tried to stop other people from using it. And CrossFit was like, what are you doing? This is our IP. Go kill yourself. And they ended it, right? So they just, they they like shut down this thing that had been around for like five or six years and raised hundreds of thousands of dollars for these like really great causes that I was a part of because it was, it was started like in my gym or the gym I went to or whatever it was um, way back. And so I was really upset about that. And then they replaced it with this thing called CrossFit for Hope. Everyone listening to this, by the way, that has only been CrossFitting since like 2015 is like, what the fuck is he talking yeah, about? Yeah, no one will remember the, this is, this is like old school this right is, now. This is way back. So the CrossFit for Hope thing drove me crazy because <laughs> they sent this, they sent this fucking poster to every affiliate and the poster was a cartoon of dying children being dragged in red wagons by slutty nurses and i was like what are you doing this is this is not it that was basically my whole thing i was like this is not it and so i made this whole big stink of it a bunch of people who worked for crossfit hq threatened to fight me on facebook further cementing me on the blacklist, like just throwing me deeper and deeper into the blacklist. I snuck into regionals that year. Because you weren't allowed. You weren't supposed to be allowed in. I wasn't supposed to be allowed at regionals. So I snuck in by, by borrowing a media shirt from someone who was supposed to be there. And my entire thing was like, Hey guys, I don't care. Like, I don't care about you stopping me from being here, but this is like, this is California. These are my friends that have qualified to compete at regionals. I want to be able to support them, whether it's watching them or hanging out with them in the backstage. Like, I want to be there. So that's why I did that. I borrowed a media shirt so I could get backstage so I could help support my friends while they were competing at regionals for the first time. Which, by the way, Katie, my wife, competed at regionals that year. <gasps> so cool. Uh, at, on a team after like three months of starting CrossFit. She's a way better CrossFitter than I ever was. It's still kind of <laughs> That's hurts. amazing. We, you know, it's still um, relatable. Hurts. My husband is also a way better crossfitter than it, I'll ever be. It was a real, ever. it was a real punch to the gut to realize <laughs> yep. that this, this girl that I was dating was like <laughs> way fitter than me yep. and had only been crossing for a few months. And I had been grinding myself to dust for years at that point, years. And I was like, 
I was like, maybe this is my year. I'm going to make regionals. Maybe this is my year. She fucking made regionals on a team the first time she ever did CrossFit. I was like, okay. I love you and hate you all at once. Damn it. Good work. I'm so proud of you. Uh, Yeah. So then they, they, they found out that I had snuck into regionals. And I think it was all just like, you know, everything was the last straw. Like everything was the straw that broke the camel's back. And eventually at the games in 2012, uh, I was quite literally physically removed from the CrossFit games. They were like, we're looking for Arm and Hammer. It's like, you guys don't even know my name. (laughs) That's awesome. That's me. Hi. You're like, you're not allowed to be here anymore. And uh, this security crew and me, the you know GM of the CrossFit Games are going to personally make sure you leave and don't come back. Mm. Wow! So that was dope. Kicked out wow. of the CrossFit Games. Yeah, that's like, I that's like my that. dream moment. That's awesome. I remember that, and you you obviously like wrote a blog post about that. I did. I so, was one of your thousand followers. Thank you very much, Nikki. Really appreciate You're that. Welcome. It was it was a it was a rough time. Like at that point, I also had gotten like a cease and desist from CrossFit because I was calling myself the naked CrossFitter mm-hmm. and they were like, you can't use CrossFit. And I was like, I'm not, I'm saying I do CrossFit and therefore I am a CrossFitter. And they're like, no, that doesn't count. You can't right. do that. Cause it was and your so, brand. Cause yeah, cause of their brand. And so, uh, that was a whole thing. And again, at that point it was a whole different, it was like the wild, wild west. You yeah. know, if, if you were, not playing ball it was like a good chance that you were gonna be removed and i didn't want that to happen like my brother and i had built a business together um with a crossfit affiliate i definitely didn't want that to happen so i kind of i kind of you know laid low um i had a podcast that was going well but i don't remember it was something what did you change your name to? so i changed it first from naked crossfitter to naked exfitter Okay. And then I went from naked expeditor to talk and fit. Oh. Thank oh. you very much. Uh, and then uh, talk and fit died because I was like, this is too much work and this sucks. Podcasting? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'd rather, I was like, well, that was, was still written blogs. I was like, I'd, I'd rather just do audio stuff. And so I started really focusing on uh, my podcast at that point. That was like, you're like a visionary, man. That was so long before podcasts like hit the, hit the map. Yeah, it was pretty sweet. Like, if only I had actually, you know, tried to monetize it in any way or, like, really capitalized on it or really tried to grow it any more than it did on its own. Like, if if only I had actually treated my hobby as, like, a serious potential source of mm-hmm. income at some point. Um, but, hey, you know what? Lessons learned. It's, it's yeah. not, it is what it is. It so, it's not... It sounds like I know there was so much drama. It sounds like everyone was a little bit of a dick. Honestly, <laughs> at that yeah, point, on both like sides, on both sides. Yep. Um, how'd you guys kiss and make up? Cause it's all cool now. Yeah. So man, uh, I, I'd say, I'd say two, I'd say here are the two sort of like turning points. One was very early in 2013, Greg Glassman and his wife, Lauren got a divorce and in the divorce settlement, she tried to sell her 50% share of CrossFit to a company called Anthos and Anthos is like a, uh, or was, I don't know if they're still around, but they were like a VC firm. And so what they wanted to do was basically turn CrossFit into like a planet fitness. So they wanted to turn it into like this 
cookie cutter brand where all the gyms are actually franchises instead of affiliates. You know, everyone has to wear the same shirts and the same shoes, and they can license that out to different companies for a lot of money. You have to sell the same supplements. You have to sell the same style of stuff. Like, you know, all the prices will be the same. You get a membership to one, you get a membership to all. They all do the same programming. They basically were like, we're going to create a regular Globo Gym model. Um, And they tried to do that uh, under the table, basically. So they told CrossFit one thing. They told CrossFit HQ and Lauren one thing. Hey, we're going to do, we're going to let you do your thing. It's going to be an affiliate model. It's still going to be fine. Um, You know, everything's going to be okay. Nothing's going to change. And then behind the, everyone's backs, they were like, we're actually going to, we're going to, we're going to McDonald'sify CrossFit. Hmm. So that happened. and. Uh, you know, in the long term, the end result of that was Greg Glassman took on a lot of personal debt in order to actually buy out. So basically it was like, hey, I should have right of first refusal on this 50%. Don't sell it to Anthos, sell it to me. They were able to make that happen. So then Greg Glassman became the sole owner of CrossFit Inc. But the the fact of the matter is that opened everyone's eyes to the idea that there are much bigger fish out there. Like there are way bigger problems than some guy who's literally an affiliate owner who does this day in and day out, who has drank the Kool-Aid and spreads it around to all of his own members and all of his friends and family. Like I am not the bad guy. I was, I was, and still am a guy who loves CrossFit sees all the positive that it can do in the world. And for, you know, me and my life and my friends and my family in their lives, and every one of my clients in their lives, like I've seen the positive. I'm just really critical because I think it could be done better. You know what I mean? Like I think making mistakes, um, you should learn from those mistakes and admit it and move on and do better, you know, from that moment. And so I think because at that point I wasn't a big threat, but I was just the loudest voice. So I was kind of singled out in, uh, classic CrossFit fashion, just way too big of a response for what was deserved at that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and when the Anthos thing happened, it was like, oh shit, like something like this could be quite literally the end of CrossFit as we know it. And once the real actual presence of truly existential threats to CrossFit as a methodology uh, came into play and they realized that those things exist. It was like, Oh, well, we don't have the time to focus on this motherfucker. Mm-hmm. Like he's, he's small fries. And so, you know, that was the start of really good times for CrossFit. Like CrossFit's uh, business boomed at that point for the next few years. Um, then they realized what was going on with like the ACSM and the NIH and CDC um, I'm sure you guys have talked to Russ Green at some point about all of the, the conspiracy theories. I fucking love it. It's my favorite thing. Um, and they're all true. That's my favorite part <laughs> of it. The fact that like these crazy, this crazy, like Charlie from it's always sunny in Philadelphia, like yarn. Connected, <laughs> yes. Yes. Like, you know, newspaper clippings is actually hundred percent fact. It's a thing. Um, but no, I think I think the Anthos thing really opened their eyes to the fact that there were outside threats that were actually trying to change what CrossFit was all about. The realization that there was this whole underlying government, um, you know, sort of organization of like 
trying to remove CrossFit as an authority in the space of like strength and conditioning and, and health and wellness. That was another part of it. But the the second, I would say the second turning point that brought me back into the fold was the fact that Greg Glassman got sick and tired of everyone's shit and just fired everybody. And so when everybody gets fired and, you know, they don't have like they're the new directive that they're given is we're no longer the voice find the other voices out there. I just, I, I was lucky enough to still be involved and uh, to be in the right place at the right time. So I got, I got um, a couple really uh, well-timed phone calls, you know, a couple connections, uh, relationships that I fostered over the, over those intervening few years, you know, five or six years with people at HQ um, who became friends of mine. Eventually when the hammer did drop, uh, I was at the top of the list to sort of be one of the, you know, um, platforms that they wanted to actually talk to. And does that change how you approach being a voice in the space, given the fact that there's less, um, there's not less criticism because you're still, you're still unbiased and critical and, and try to see all the sides of the argument. And if you, you, see something that you don't like, you'll call it out. But given the fact that you have more responsibility now to be a voice in the space versus just like a guy who's like, fuck this, this sucks. This sucks too. And I hate this competition and like knee sleeves are bad. Like, I don't know. Like, yeah. does it change how you have to act being more of an authority in a space where we're relying on voices like yours now? Yeah, I think, I think it does. Um, you know, I don't, I, I can't say that that lives at like the forefront of my mind when I'm making content, because I think that would give me the wrong thing to be focusing on. But at the end of the day, like <clears throat> I have whatever modicum of responsibility to my audience and to CrossFit as a community that what I'm doing stays true to my my, you know, I, I say, I say it constantly. Like my whole thing is there are conversations happening in every gym in every affiliate between every CrossFitter about all the things that I talk about. But most of the time it's people who aren't as well informed as they could be. So my entire, like the entire focus of my content is I'm going to tell you why what you're talking about is important, contextualize it in a way that you don't necessarily know, maybe connect it to a couple of things that seem really disparate. And the next time that conversation comes up at the chalk bucket, you can wow your friends with this new piece of information about, you know, 10 years ago, we were actually doing the same fucking thing. Mm -hmm. Surprise. It's actually going back to what was happening as opposed to something completely brand new. And that I think like that is what drives the content as opposed to this external sort of responsibility. Like I know if I can meet that, if I can actually participate in these conversations, move the conversation forward in a meaningful way, I'm, I'm executing my responsibilities well. Yeah. And I so, love that. I love that perspective. Thanks. I do yeah. too. It works. It, and it, 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 you know, one of the things like it's, it's really weird. Um, I'm not interested in selling out. I'm not interested in selling my soul. I'm not interested in making a buck. 
Like if I was interested in any of those things, my content would look very, very different. What I'm interested in is moving it forward. Like I'm sincere about how I feel about things, both positive and negative. I'm going to have a conversation with people I agree with and dis- disagree with. I'm, I'm going to very uncomfortably ask some very difficult questions. Like when I had to ask Greg Glassman, hey, what happens when you die? Hmm. Who is, who's next in line? I literally asked him, I was like, hey, man, you don't have a successor. Who is it? Yeah. Like you get hit by a bus to tomorrow, what happens? Right. What are you going to do? Like, what happens if you're not around to push the, push the, the boat forward? Like, who moves it? Um, you know, so like those, who those moves type, it? He, he didn't have, a, he didn't have a great, great answer. I mean, his okay. answer was basically, we have a really solid foundation. We have a, a, a good team of people that are young and talented and smart. And, and basically they'll figure it out. Mm. was like the answer. Mm-hmm. Right. So, you know, if it, it, my whole thing is like, this is this, I'm doing this because I love to do this. And I'm going to figure out a way for it to actually pay my bills eventually. Someday. Or I won't. That's what or I keep I telling myself. Someday. Right? <laughs> but at the same time, I'm, I am as, as much as like, you know, sincerity drives what I do. I'm very clear, very honest about how I feel um, and what I'm trying to do. I'm also very well aware of the practical considerations with like, you know, when CrossFit completely blows up the system removes the money that they're putting into it and as of now there isn't really any indication of where that cash is going to come from where the sort of like you know lifeblood of the system is going to be replenished you know the there's a very real question of like what does this even look like if the games totally changes again, or if the sanctionals can't survive, or if the athletes can't make a living, like I'm not at the top of the list for the people who need to be making a living in order for this thing to succeed. However, I would argue that I am at the top of the list of if I fail, I am the canary in the coal mine. If my content and what I bring to the community cannot succeed, then the entire thing is poisoned. Like the entire thing's fucked mm. because, you know, I, I bring something very valuable to the, to the market in terms of the content and information perspective, the, the coverage, even just based off of the coverage. But if, if I can't make ends meet, if I can't make it work, if the market can't float what I bring to the table, it's not going to float what anybody else is bringing to the table. If that were to happen, it would be more of a mark of consumption, right? It would be like people are no longer interested or right. as a right. sport, it's not hitting the airwaves the way that we want it to. Any, I don't, I don't know. The storylines aren't what we need them to be. Right. It would, it would mean be a community wide thing. It wouldn't just be you. Exactly. That's, We're not talking that's, about that's this exactly anymore. what I mean. Like I yep. am, I, I I'm in a way I'm like the canary in the coal mine, not because of who I am or what I do, but because what I do is sort of a, a secondary effect of the fact that there are a lot of people talking about this. So if like, I can't make it based off the fact that there are a lot of people talking about this, it probably means that there are less and less people talking about it. 
Well, it's, it's like you said, it's like we are, you know, you and your content, us literally sitting here recording into these microphones is a reflection of the fact that we're all talking about this. Like we're all getting together in our gym being like, oh, did you hear about the new structure of the like so-and-so said on this interview that he, whatever, like it, it, it exists because we are in it and we are fans of it as much as we are trying to make, I hate the word content creator, but like whatever we are, you know what I mean? And, and if that were to go away, I mean, I don't know what it would, I don't know what it would do. And I don't know what it would cause it because you're right. Like the money is a huge issue and the the structure that's coming, the change in structure that's coming um, could affect a lot moving forward. But I, I just, I don't know, maybe I'm sadly optimistic. Like I just don't foresee it going away in a sense that I still am going to want to know about it. So I'm still going to talk about it. So I'm still going to ask questions and want to meet athletes and want to find a way to get to these events as a fan and as someone with a a news background. I don't see it going away, but I will disagree with you on something, Armin. I don't think, I don't think you would go away. I mean, like you know, I, I watch your content because you're a content creator and I, I've seen like, I know, and I've seen like recently you've been doing, um, you know, like you've been doing some workouts and like teaching people what to do. Like, I think the heart of CrossFit is in the gyms, not the games. I think the games could go away tomorrow and you'll still find a way to be successful because you have a voice in the sport and you understand what happens around the chalk bucket. That's where the heart of CrossFit is. People don't give a rat's ass about how much, um, Frazier can snatch. They know he's strong as hell. They know it. They've seen it a million times. They care about what you, what they see in the gym. They care about what their buddy is doing next to them. And you understand that because you were the naked CrossFitter, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's how you started. I mean, I, I legit believe if the games went away tomorrow, you'd probably make more money because the advertisers would now need to come to you to get to that audience that they can no longer get through, through the game. So you should sabotage the games. That's basically <laughs> no, what I'm saying. Oh, stop. There's some of us that yeah. still really like the game. I do believe this. I believe this in my heart to be true though. No, the- I, I, you're right. You're, you're definitely right in that. Like you would find a way to keep the community spirit alive because people are going to come to you for all sorts of different things associated with the sport of CrossFit and being in the gym. What'd you do your workout? What's your strategy on this? But I, I will disagree with people don't care how much Matt can snatch. They care. They care. <laughs> don't get me wrong. They care. But I, yeah. I, my, my point is they care more about themselves than they care about that. And sure. I, but like, I'm still going to watch the Olympics. Like I'm like, still going to, I would still want to see the specimens that are out there. Like my point though, is like, I, so I, I watch your, your stuff and like the, the videos that you've done that I've liked the most were when like you were demoing the open and I was watching you. I wasn't watching what Frazier and Toomey are doing the open. I'm watching you going, all right, let's see if this fucker screws up. Let's see what he does. And then, <laughs> and then, and you were really good. Like, it was like, I'm like, holy crap, Armin can actually lift some weight. Like, he's a strong Armin's dude. Fuck. I like, I specifically remember the one, it was uh, this year with the snatches, you know, and that was a hard one for everyone. You know, you got to do 10 snatches and burpees over the bar, and it's just killing everybody. And, oh and Armin's like, I'm doing singles. And I'm like, oh, this is just the wrong way to go. And then he killed it. And I'm like, all right, he knows what he's doing. Like, Dude, sneaky uh, fit is real. Sneaky yeah, fit sneaky is real. fit is. Mm-hmm. It is, but that's my point. That's that's real, and people get geeked out about that. Yeah, and yeah, they do care about Matt, but I think they care more about can I get better, and they see that, and you know, like I used that in the open. Like I went back and did it a second time, and I employed some of your methods, and it it made sense, you know. So I think you'd find a way if even if it went away tomorrow. So. Yeah, I agree. You would definitely find a way, but I also want to see how much Mac can snatch. <laughs> it's just, it's not like they're not mutually 
exclusive, but I agree. Yeah. You're right though. The heart of the heart of what we do is in the affiliates and in the community. And I don't think anyone will disagree with that, but I, I have a love for, you know, celebrating professional athletes and what they're capable of and finding a way to disseminate their stories, elevate our community and elevate what we find that we're capable of on the ground level. I will never, I never, ever walk into a gym wanting to do what a games athlete can do, but I'm impressed and inspired by it. And it makes me less scared to try something new. That's where I'm at. Well, I appreciate the fact, Armin, that, you know, I think we're talking about this before we came on the air, but I think you're really fair. Like I, when I watch your content and what you're putting out, like, you know, you're, you're not just out there going, Glassman's the best. He's the smartest guy ever. Like, you know, Greg's, Greg's a brilliant man, but they make CrossFit makes plenty of mistakes, you know? And so that's, I get tickled when I see your videos. Cause sometimes like the title will be, let me tell you the thing that Greg fucked up this week. And then it's like, <laughs> I'm like, is this clickbait? And I'll watch it. And I'm like, no, he's talking about Greg fucking something up. Like, this is great. You know? But I do appreciate that you look at all aspects because I know that you're critical of it, but you're not a complete asshole about it, which I also appreciate because I just wouldn't want some grown. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that was actually what I was about to say is that it it maybe has taken some time to find your voice or where you're, where you can express yourself and not alienate anyone. But I, I do appreciate that about you because it's important to be critical so that we can change for the better. Um, And, and we're in a spot now where I think we can do that as a community. Yeah, I, I feel really lucky. Uh, I've been I've gone through a lot of personal growth over the past like 12 years, 10, 12 years. Uh, you know, so if, if the type of content I was putting out now sounded or looked like the content I was putting out when I was 20 or 21, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it would be it would be a shame. It would just mean that I haven't changed my mind about anything or I haven't grown up about anything. Um and, you know, I guess there's there's a couple sort of litmus tests that I use to make sure that I'm still in the right vein. The open content that you guys are mentioning, I really appreciate you bringing that up, by the way, because that that's some of the most fun that I've had making content. And it's probably the single thing that gets most commonly brought up when I meet people at events. They're like, I tried your open strategy yeah. and it was awesome. Or I can't believe you actually succeeded doing singles on toast bar. What the hell is wrong with you? Like, you know, I, I, I pride myself. That's the type of CrossFitter I am is like, I'm going to come up with something that's kind of oddball and maybe not the best strategy for everybody, but it's a really good strategy for me. And if it works for me, it's going to work for somebody else. Yes. Your merch strategy sucks, by the way. I just like to throw that out there. That is, that is quantifiably false. My merch strategy is by far the best one. It effing (laughs) sucks. I did it last year. Again, I watched a video and I'm like, this sounds great. I'm going to go in and do 30 rounds or whatever the hell it is. It's 50 rounds of two, four, six, John, get it right. That's what I did. And I got about 20 rounds in. I'm like, this sucks. And it's like a million degrees in the gym anyway, which made it even worse. (laughs) You're so mad at you. Yes. That guy, Armin, I hate him so much. I got 30 (laughs) more rounds to go. This is fucking terrible. I'm crying. Like, so that's the impact you've got in the gym, buddy. That's good try it I'm gonna your try tears it. are worth it uh, listen mickey let me let me let me give you the breakdown because john's not doing this any <laughs> oh any it's so okay bad. okay so <laughs> what is the worst part of murph push-ups thank you very much yep. could you do 30 push-ups at a time until no. you got to 200 no i couldn't even do one set of 30 you know what you can do you can do four at a time mm-hmm. and that is the entire that's the entire heart of my strategy my strategy is you do 50 rounds of two pull-ups 
four push-ups, six squats. Now, the trade-off is that you cannot be like John Woolley and dilly-dally around. <laughs> I, I, I dilly-dallied like, a lot. If I'm not you going waste lie. any time, it immediately becomes a quagmire of transitions. Our However, next shirt is you cannot be like John Woolley dilly-dallying around. Yes. Uh, <laughs> however, if you can stay on top of your transitions and you have a good way of marking your reps or your rounds, like for example, your phone can do it. You can just keep hitting the lap button every time mm-hmm. or your watch can do it if you keep hitting the lap button every time. But if you are if you stay on top of it, if you stay under your bar and you just jump up, do your two pull-ups, drop down, do your four push-ups, stand up, do your six squats, you're basically adding a burpee. So you're doing a bunch of extra burpees throughout the entire thing. Oh, but, I already hate this. But Thank the you. entire workout disappears because <laughs> the entire worst part of the workout is getting stuck on push-ups. Even Cindy style, you get stuck on push-ups because 10 push-ups adds up near the end of that workout too. Okay. Four push-ups forever. Why is that better than what I typically do, which is five, five, 15, five? Because it's less counting. It's just the same thing over and over <laughs> And And honestly- It's more I, counting because it's 50 rounds. Well- Oh, okay, that's fair. That's okay. Fair. Five, okay. five, 15, 10 is, is a fair strategy. Don't get me wrong. However, I will say that the best Murph experiences I've ever had were doing two, four, six. I did two Murphs back to back in under an hour. Ew. So I so you was did a hundred like, rounds. I was, I, I did the full. So like, you know, uh, your, your memorial day would be like, yo, there's the 9am Murph class and the 10 a.m. Murph class, mm-hmm. whatever. So I, I I was at my gym. I was like, all right, I'll I'll do it with the early class. And I did it with the early class and I finished and I felt so good I did it again with the next class and I finished in the same time. Sneaky fit. Sneaky, Sneaky fit. fit. Mm-hmm. But the entire thing, I'm telling you right now, I'm awful at push-ups. I suck at push-ups. But the entire thing came down to the fact that 246 was so manageable for me. And the entire thing just turned into a counting exercise that I had no, I had no issues. Well, so I, it, I was it, using your name in vain the whole I'm time. Gonna I'm going to try it. Like, I'm like, Armin, damn it, the whole time. <laughs> I'm going to try. We'll it's try a this trade-off. You, you, ha- there's, you have to approach it a little bit differently, but it is, it is a, a really successful, and you feel really fresh afterwards. Like you don't have that, that slammed fresh. quads no. when you go for that last run. I did not feel fresh at all. <laughs> not oh at yeah, all. you still have to run. Fuck. I think that's you yeah. there, John. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it was error. very likely user error. I'm gonna get, I'll give it another shot this year. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. I'm going to give I it another, another shot by not doing it your way. That's how the shot <laughs> I'm giving it. That's yeah. the shot. So, so what's next for your channel? What do you have coming up? Dude, I am. It is currently Monday night. Uh, on Wednesday morning, Katie and I are leaving for the Atlas Games in Montreal. Ooh. We're going to be there over the weekend. Um, then I'm doing the commentary on the live stream at Montreal. Um, and I'll be doing, if the internet holds up at our Airbnb, I'll be doing nightly recaps. Like I did at Wadapalooza, um, with the various, you know, rotating crew of, of co-hosts. Um, and then we're immediately turning it around and going to Del Mar for the West coast classic. Awesome. Which is going to be great. Yeah. So that's, we're flying into LA, uh, which is where my family lives. We'll spend a day with my family and then drive down to, uh, to Del Mar for that event over the weekend. Um, that event is, I'm not being, uh, I'm not part of the production there or part of the official media there, but 
just like I was there for Wadapalooza, like can't miss it. That venue is the best in the world. Um, it is, it is really, really amazing. And, uh, I get to hang out with my friends again. Plus like Katie, uh, so Katie is a nurse and she, uh, up until last week worked in the ER, um, at like a level one trauma center, quite a bit of ways from where we live, like over mm. an hour drive each direction. Oh, yikes. So she spent a year doing that and it was God awful. Mm. Uh, you know, probably the most impressive year of work I've ever seen anybody put in. Um, but she's like, okay, I've done a year, probably going to look for my next thing, take a little bit of a sabbatical. And I was like, Hey, I know a guy who travels around the world and gets to hang out with his friends and uh, while you can't travel with Matt Fraser or Rich Froning, <laughs> since they do that, you can travel with your husband hey. since he does that. <laughs> and so she's actually going to be coming with me to a few of these trips. Oh my and gosh, so fun! Yeah, what I'm hoping, what I'm hoping is that uh, her presence is like the right type of catalyst, the right type of spark to like pick up on the slack that I've had. Some things that I just haven't been able to do because I, I'm so focused on what the next day's content is. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's already been a really big help. Um, today and you're paying her-, her, of course. Oh yeah. No, no, of course not. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm paying her from our savings. There it is. Yeah. Yep, 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 yep. Uh, no, there's the, the, today was her official first day wow. at Arm Hammer TV and it was, it went really well. Uh, no HR complaints yet, which is great. Um, so (laughs) (laughs) not playing grab ass in the studio guys. Come on. We're not playing grab ass in the studio. Um, but yeah, so I'm hoping that I can keep sort of finagling these, these great international trips and keep having her travel with me. Oh, uh, I'm so jealous. It's tough, right? Like no one, you don't realize like we're on the road a lot and you leaving home and and husbands, wives, dogs, fish. I have yeah. chickens in the backyard. Whoa. It's tough. Yeah, it's tough. I'm trying to find events where you can travel together and it makes financial sense, right? Because like you're, you're probably break, barely breaking even on your own. If you're making any money, it's great. And then like to buy a plane ticket for your significant other is like, oh, well, there's all my money that I would have. Right. All right. Well, yeah, I guess we're doing this solo. So divide and conquer. But that's cool, man. I'm jealous. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited. It's cool. We've been, she was able to travel with me to Ireland last year for Filthy 150, which was Fun. awesome. Um, we did like a whirlwind tour of uh, the Cliffs of Moher right before the event, oh, which so is great. Cool. And um, since then, it's basically been like my goal just to get her to travel with me. Uh, it just is so cool that we get to do this. It's like, and again, make zero money. Like, right. Yeah. No. You know, know. Making less than zero money, basically. Yeah. But the experience is worth it, and I'm I'm confident that it'll pay off eventually. Yeah. Totally. I'm with you. I'm following in your footsteps. Let's do it. <laughs> um, are you going? Where's when's your next international event? So if we don't count Canada, which right. I understand that you're not a fan, so we <laughs> oh won't. Nick, Nicky doesn't count Canada as international. <laughs> yeah. Totally fair. Oh. Totally fair. Uh, this is never going to end. If we never. don't count literally this weekend for Canada, right? right. Uh, then my next international trip is very likely to be uh, Netherlands for Netherlands. Oh, I thought you were going to say Iceland. Ooh. I've been talking to uh, Fred and Annie, and we're yeah. just we just haven't been able to figure it out yet. So that still could turn around, and it still could happen. But you know, um, 
Iceland is super expensive to get to. Accurate. At this point, I I literally cannot do international travel that the events are not paying for. Yeah, that's tough. That's so, that's where it gets really tough. You know, I'm will, taking this rough. month off, but my next event is Iceland, so I was hoping that you would be there. I'm yeah, and it, it, it'll I mean, work like, out. Yeah, like I said, it still could happen. Uh, I'm I'm March is going to be pretty fucked. We're traveling a lot in March. Yep. <laughs> hoping April is is a little bit lighter. Like you know, if I do less than two trips in April, I'll be very happy. Yeah. Um, but you know, if we do, man, May looks like it might be crazy. Cause if Iceland works out and Madrid is in May as well. So yeah. if Iceland works out and Madrid works out and Lowlands works out. That's three trips to Europe in the same month. Can you just stay? No, no. of course not. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> Why would I just be able to, I'll just, I'll park the yacht off the coast. <laughs> Yeah, no problem. No problem. I don't know. Everyone's it's fine. not a big deal at all. That's absolutely doable. No, you it's going to be... just couch surf on CrossFit couches. Dude, it is going to be... If that <laughs> if that month actually pans out to being what it is, like, you won't... I would... I'm going to have to go into hibernation until the games. Yeah. And by the way, at, while all of this is happening, events that I have to... I'm watching and putting content together and covering, planning travel, planning activations for... I also have to plan what I'm doing at the games because I can't just do what I did at the games last year. I can't just show up and be like, hey, guys, fucking I'm walking back to my hotel. I'm going to do a little live thing on my phone. Like, that was cool. But wouldn't it be cooler if I actually had a team there and we put together some cool content and I did things? Yeah. So, like, that is a whole nother world in and of itself. It's this this sucks this so it's it's yeah i'm i'm overwhelmed at the amount of work <laughs> it is a, it's a lot it's a lot of shit to do it's, yeah it's really wild totally. it's really wild but it's like you know what else am i gonna do work a nine to five i don't know Maybe. hey <laughs> should uh you should start a meme page and collect all those meme millions that's how i afford the meme millions yeah i'm sure great. ever since dude you've been you've been rolling in it huh john just, just rolling in the meme money yep it's great that's yep. like monopoly money though, right? Yeah, that's exactly what You have like $500 what, bills. Exactly what it's worth. <laughs> They're pink. Yes. With your face on it? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Million dollar bills. Yeah, the thing about monopoly money and meme money is that the people that you're playing the game with still want to take it from you even yeah. though it doesn't mean anything. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Accurate. Well, Pretty much. Well, we'll, we'll have to do. We'll have to. I'll do some stuff at the games together. Yeah. Nikki and I will be your team. How about that? Hell yeah! Let's do it. I can't Armin pay I, you. Well, Armin and I <laughs> talked last year. The, the one thing I want to do this year, we're absolutely going to do it. Is when they do the cuts. We're going to play the Sarah McLaughlin song and just hold up the photos of the people <laughs> oh. getting cut. Oh. Yeah, do an in, mem- in memoriam after yeah. every event. Yes. I thought we were going to do cuts drinking games. Whoa, Ooh, we could do that too. That could be All fun. Right, cool. Yeah. yeah, we could we could absolutely do an episode that's a drinking game. That would be fun. Yeah, count me in. Count gonna, Katie in. Katie's a great time. Fantastic. Great. Bring it's her to a, games. She's she's my our new best friend. Yeah, fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. We can we can stretch this thing all the way out through August because <laughs> she might yeah. honestly. There's a good chance that you know even if the money picks up, that she's just like uh, you know fuck you no you know I mean I'm not gonna yeah. travel with you anymore. <laughs> <laughs> let's, not, let's not do this anymore well i mean yeah. armin don't get a divorce of over it you know that's that's the yeah. best piece of advice i've ever gotten <laughs> should put that on a shirt <laughs> <laughs>
Well, Armin, this has been great, man. I appreciate you yeah, coming on. Yeah, thank you. My pleasure, guys. I could talk all night long. I know, but you I'm actually, angry, so. You, you took me way down memory lane, though. Like, tw- 2012 was my first open, and I remember seven minutes of burpees like it was yesterday, and then that damn snatch ladder the next week, and I was like, as you were talking, I was kind of getting the shakes, you know, just remember <laughs> those shitty wads. It was, it was great. So it's always fun to hear those stories. So yeah, my pleasure, man. That's, so that's I'm really happy that I get to do this. And I, I really appreciate your time to oh. let me come on here and talk about myself. Yeah, no, we, <laughs> we appreciate it. Just make sure when you're at the Atlas games, you bring up Nikki's name a lot. We need to be some redemption in Canada. It'd be great. Hey, uh, I know. So, all right. Well, uh, so it's been great. So Nikki, what do we have coming up next? So we have Atlas games. Atlas I mean, Armin, games. do you want to, we usually wrap up with a little bit of a look forward. Is there anyone in particular you got your eyes on when you're going to be heading out there? Um, there are a couple athletes that I'm interested in watching compete, uh, particular, not like, not like for particular competitive reasons, like not because they might be making a big splash or anything, but for example, uh, Albert Dominic LaRouche is competing. Ooh. Um, and his first competition back was Wadapalooza this past year. He took like an entire year to do nothing but powerlifting. And he came back and I think he was in the top 10, which is kind of crazy. So yeah. uh, he just had a kid, like he's a four month old. And, you know, he's got a really interesting story. He's like old school, you know, CrossFit guy. So he's a lot of fun to watch. Um, the dogs agree. I don't know if you guys can hear them. <laughs> they concur. <laughs> they concur. They think Albert Dominic LaRouche is very, very interesting to watch. But yeah, I think overall, honestly, it's just a good chance. Like, you know, I've never, I think I've been to Montreal once when I was like an infant. So I'm yeah. looking forward to going back and hanging out and finding all my old baby haunts again, I guess. Um, wow. Trying maple syrup. Is that a thing they do up there? Yes. Uh, yeah, yes. I think they mainline it. I'm pretty yeah. sure. You can find a sugar shack. A sugar shack? Yeah, and watch it get are made. Those, are those legal up there? Hey. Wow. <laughs> yes. Everything's legal in Canada. Everything. <laughs> All right, yeah, there's so- going to be a bunch of cool athletes. And, um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I think, I think the next few weeks are going to be pretty crazy from, like you said, from Atlas to, um, to West Coast. Then Europe picks up over the next couple of weeks. There's Iceland first weekend of April, and then it goes straight to Egypt before the Netherlands. So we'll have, we'll have a lot to talk about coming up, but I think what'll be pretty cool is the number of athletes kind of like what we talked about this past weekend with Brazil and Australia, the number of athletes that really may end up at the top of the podium that also get to punch their games ticket at some of those events, because not all of the big names are going to all of those events. And so a lot of the people who have already qualified aren't necessarily going to be clouding the, the podium. So that I think that should be interesting. That always makes it more exciting, in my opinion. Yeah, it's always nice when when you know the spots of the CrossFit Games isn't ninth on right. the leaderboard. Yeah, yeah. And then you don't have to. I mean, it's still exciting in in its own way, but I'm just really bad at math. <laughs> so I'm like, <laughs> and if you go there, and then he goes over here, and she's already on the thing, and the team is the team. Don't even ask me. I don't fucking know what the teams like. Everyone's on everyone's team and who's qualified where and some people are individual. Just tell me who's going. I don't know. Yeah. It's like playing a very complicated video game, which is something that I'm exceptionally well suited for because it's the only thing that I spend my time on outside <laughs> of CrossFit. Um, also, one of the my only strengths in life is video Complicated games. video games? Yes. Well, there you yes. go. Yes. 100%. What are we doing talking about fitness? Can make way more money talking about video games. My brother yes. tells me that all the time. He's like, "Hey, man, start talking about Star Wars, will you?" I mean, I would yeah. listen. I would listen. We can also live stream our Mario Kart battles. So I'm just saying. 
Listen, don't tell anybody. I know nobody <laughs> listens to this, but I have a really interesting idea for a piece of content is to travel with my Switch okay. and to do uh, Mario Kart interviews. So the entire interview takes place during a race. Amazing. And just sit down with whoever it is that we're that I'm interviewing and beat the shit out of them in Mario Kart uh-huh. and ask them questions about, you know, whatever. Now, I will pilot this for you if you don't mind me wiping the fucking floor with you. Okay. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just, I'm just, no one in my house will play with me anymore because they're sick of losing. Yeah. My entire friend circle <laughs> stopped playing with me yeah. because it was not fair. Yeah. So, you know, maybe finally I'll have a challenge. Maybe I <gasps> can actually pay fun. attention. I call Rose Gold Peach. <laughs> Take them. That's fine. Take them. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I'm a I'm anyway. A, I'm Tanuki Mario. Tanuki. That's what I, that's what I play. He's shake. He like shakes his little squirrel butt at the camera. Amazing. That's what it's all about. Tanuki. Oh my god. All right. <laughs> well, we have that to look forward to. Get out of here, right. old man. What do you? What do you, you don't know. <laughs> it's cool. We swear. Yes. No, I believe you. I believe you. I'll. All right. We'll. We'll play. We'll all play. I'll surprise you. Well, got a lot of stuff coming up. We appreciate it. And uh, on the podcast coming up, we have Allison Scuds this week. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're going to try to sneak in Jay Crouch, who just won the Australian Open. He knocked off James Newberry, which shocked me. But I know James, uh, Jay, and he's a great athlete. So it wasn't really an upset. It's just, I think it surprised a few people. And then we have Camille LeBlanc coming on, who just announced she's pregnant. So So exciting. It's like... yeah, we get We get to ask her why Armin pissed her off. It's going to be awesome. Oh, I can't wait. Don't do that. Don't do that. Just going to happen on a baby, and don't don't ask her about me, please. <laughs> Camille, remember the time that Armin was a real dickhead? She'll be like, yes, yes, be great. Yeah, she probably <laughs> will. That's the thing. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have energy for him. That's what she'll say. Great. So yeah, so that's what we have coming up. So we appreciate everyone listening. Thanks for coming on the channel, and we will talk to you all soon.